Welcome to the Mainly Moonology podcast. I'm your host, Yasmin Boland, an award-winning astrologer and the Sunday Times best-selling author of books including Moonology and creator of the Moonology Oracle Cards. My intention for this podcast is to help you understand how you can create your dream life using Mainly Moonology, the moon, as your guide. Okay, so Denise Duffield-Thomas is my guest this week. I'm not going to let her say anything yet because I actually want to just tell everyone about who you are and what you do, Denise. I hope that's okay. So for those of you who don't know, her voice is so familiar to me because I listen to your podcast all the time, Denise, and because we've both got Australian accents, sometimes when I'm doing my podcast, I think, oh, I sound like Denise (laughs) Duffield-Thomas. Anyway. (laughs) So Denise Duffield-Thomas is the money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. And I don't know about anyone else, but that includes me. I definitely want to make money and change the world. So yay. Denise helps entrepreneurs like you and me charge premium prices, release the fear of money and create first-class lives. Her books, Lucky Bitch, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, and her newest, Chill and Prosper, give a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without burnout. And I don't know about anyone out there who's a, a fellow entrepreneur such as I am, that's that's the really difficult thing to navigate. It's uh you know, how to follow your passion, which is an actual passion. So you're kind of really, really passionate about it without completely burning yourself out. Her money boot camp has helped over 8,500 students from all over the world. She describes herself, I love this, as an, a lazy introvert. She's also a Hay House author and an unbusy mother of three. She owns a rose farm and lives by the beach in sunny Australia. And you can find Denise, we'll ask her about all her social media later, but find Denise at Denise DT. So that's for Denise Duffield Thomas, Denise DT.com. So welcome, 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 Denise. It's so good wow, to have you. Wow, Yasmin. This is not your first rodeo. <laughs> so good. Thank Look you. Look at you in your uh, in your little corner of the world there with your surfboard and your uh, combi van. How's life down under treating you? It's good, but it's cold here. But I can't complain because you guys are talking about having a heat wave at 31 degrees. I'm talking about I'm freezing at 15 degrees. <laughs> if it's 15 degrees, we're like, yay, T-shirts. <laughs> I know, exactly. Let's strip off in Hyde Park. Exactly. Um, but, no, I'm I'm so thrilled to be talking to you. You know, it's what's really cool. I, I was speaking to Reed Tracy, obviously the CEO of Hay House recently. Or as I like um, and our, fearless, our fearless leader. Yes, and he's, he told me, I don't know if I want to say the, the amount, but he was saying that you are one of his most successful card deck people and how proud he was of you. Oh. And yes, it was amazing. And he said something like you sold like a million card decks, literally every single bookstore I go into, I see it absolutely everywhere. And I'm always like, I know Yasmin, <laughs> I'm going to speak to her soon. But how cool is it going to a bookstore and seeing all of your friends writing books? 
it's so cool and saying, oh, I know that person, I know that person. And most of us just started with a little dream and, you know, one book and, and that's it. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Well, I had never delved into your work, Denise. I, I knew of you and I'd met you a few times, but I never delved into your work until Amy Kybert, who was the commissioning ed- ex-commissioning editor at Hay House, said, oh, you should read Denise Duffield Thomas's stuff. You'll love it. And obviously I trust Amy and I was like, oh, okay, sure. And I actually got you on Audible and I listened to Lucky Bitch and I just love you and I love what you're doing. I love your work. And, uh, yeah, I think it's amazing. So, I mean, we've talked about the fact that you are um, you help entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. Can I just ask you, one thing we're talking about here, guys, is we're talking about abundance, okay? And, and I'm all about manifesting abundance. We do a lot of abundance work together. How much of your work is taken up with that first stage where people just don't, you know, they just feel broke, they are broke, They've grown up in a broke family maybe where they've been told there's never enough money to come up, go around and so on. How much of your work is taken up with that and how easy or difficult is it to, for you to help sort of reprogram people's minds into a more of an abundance mindset? Well, here's the thing. Number one, I'm super curious about people's money stories and I learn new nuances every single day about, about money. What was fascinating to me once I kind of started working with a couple of hundred, then a couple of thousand people is that everyone has money stories. And it really doesn't matter if you grew up rich or poor, because sometimes it's not even about how much money we had. It's about how your parents talked about money. You know, you could have been wealthy and your parents still were incredibly frugal or talked about money in a scarce way. You could have been middle-class or even, you know, grew up poor, but your parents were optimists or talked about money in a kind of a positive way. So I actually grew up with not very much money at all, but my mom was an eternal optimist. And so for her, she was always like, something's going to turn up. And it did. She was incredibly lucky at, she'd always win the meat raffle. (laughs) Right. You know, she'd always... Yeah, the local RSL. She'd always win bingo. She um, one time she won five thousand dollars on a slot machine, and so I kind of had this feeling growing up like easy come, easy go, and I actually wasn't that bothered about money and pretty much until my um, until my teens because up until then everybody I knew was kind of the same. I grew up government housing. Literally, everyone's got the same house. But when I was 11, my mom got married to an older, wealthier kind of guy. And then suddenly I had contrast. Yeah. Suddenly I could see, oh, there's a difference and people treated me differently. But my mom would, we'd kind of move out every six months. So we'd go from like his mansion to a tiny flat. So it was kind of rags to riches, rags to riches. You talk about this lucky bitch, right? Yeah, exactly. And so my story was men all, men have all the power, men have all the money mm-hmm. and, you know, money is power. But what's really fascinating, I'm going to ask you a question, Yasmin, because I've been asking this to so many people recently and it's really fascinating sometimes hearing answers. Tell me about your school shoes. Uh, my school shoes were um, brown leather and they had a little bit of a heel 
and I had to polish them every Sunday night. And uh, I think they were barter and uh, barter, yeah, barter, I think. And they were uh, nice and solid and just pretty good shoes. And what about other people at your school? Everyone have the same same shoes? No, I don't think everybody had the exact same pair of shoes. Um, I don't really remember anyone else's shoes particularly, but I suppose as long as you had brown leather shoes, I think they were fine. Yeah. Why? The reason why, <laughs> the reason why I ask this, and some people listening will have an immediate like, <gasps> some people I, I ask this, they're just like, oh, whatever, I didn't even pay much attention. But sometimes you'll get some little juicy nuggets. Mm-hmm. So it could be people who go, wow, I was only allowed to have one pair of shoes a year. Mm. Or I heard my parents every at the start of you know the school year fighting about having enough money to buy school shoes. Yeah. Or there's, again, that's where you start to see the contrast. Did I have the right shoes compared to other people? Mm. Did I have the cool shoes or the dorky shoes? Did I stand out? in some way. And then that's just one question that might have a little thread. For you, not that emotional a memory. No. But there could be I went, to a, I went to a school where we all wore a uniform. So I mean I suppose a lot of people, most yeah. people wear a uniform, don't they? Yeah. Oh absolutely in Australia for sure. Sometimes in America though it could be, well I wanted the cool shoes and I had to wear these particular yeah. shoes. Or I um, you know, I had one pair of shoes for the year. So what we do is we find these little threads and we find it could be anything. We could talk about pocket money and and what that that come up, came up for us. It could be things that you wanted to buy as a teenager that you weren't allowed to, your first job, what your parents So many things that I wasn't allowed to buy. Sorry, mum. Tell me one thing. Tell me. Okay, so I actually have two things I'd love to tell you. So the first thing is that I remember back in the day, now for anyone who's uh, an ex-Hobartian like me, they'll remember there was the Elizabeth Street Mall and we'd go to uh, Fitzgerald's department store and my friend Fiona was allowed to get her mum's credit card and just buy whatever she want, wanted. And uh, so I put it in the present like it's still happening, <laughs> um, whatever she wanted, whereas I was never allowed to do this. And eventually I managed to kind of beg my mum to allow me to buy it on sort of on approval so I'd be allowed to buy it and take it home and then if it got the parent stamp of approval, I was allowed to keep it. And I should say I grew up in a pretty affluent family but my mum always controlled the purse strings really tightly. And I'll, I'll just tell you the other thing because I was just thinking as we talked, when I went to university, mum and dad gave me the smallest amount of money because they actually wanted me to go to university in Sydney, but I insisted on staying in Tasmania. They had by now moved to Sydney and I was like, I'm not leaving Tasmania. And so they said, okay, fine, do that. To have it your way, you know, we'll pay your um, we'll pay your lodging at university and all your books and stuff but you can fund the rest that's sort of your punishment or come to Sydney and you can have a new car and a house and everything and I was like I'm staying in Tasmania so they gave me $15 a week to live off and I remember my I have this really clear memory of one night wanting to go to the movies with some friends and literally counting my pennies and I didn't have enough money for a movie ticket But I think that really helped me because I then went out and got a job at Burger King (laughs) to fund myself through university. So that's that's almost my money story in a nutshell, I think. 
Well, what's really interesting about that too is I want to ask you another question because sometimes there's not, um, if you didn't grow up in like an environment where there's a lot of scarcity, sometimes though we still have stories about what is work, what is real work, what we're allowed to make money from. And sometimes there's official and unofficial mottos about that. In the olden days, you'd have your family motto engraved on a shield. Nowadays, it's all just unspoken kind of stuff. Now you work in, let's face it, a very woo-woo field. Really? <laughs> Seems what very normal you- to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Absolutely. But, but were, was, was there a time where you felt like you had to have a different career or a job? Or did you know from a, a young age that you wanted to kind of work in the spiritual space? No, I definitely didn't. I, I left uni and I became a journalist and then a TV producer. It literally was organic. Yeah. So some people, okay, this is, the, this is the thing that we've got to break for so many of us, is this idea that we can only make money from really, really hard work. Oh, and I the problem that terribly. Well, I imagine too as a journalist, really long hours. Yeah. And TV producers are even worse. And probably pretty badly paid, I guess, especially at the start. Probably. So that's why I find that most people, regardless of what kind of family they grew up in, have this idea that you have to work really hard to make money. Because if your if your family were poor, maybe your parents had to work a couple of jobs to make ends meet. But if your parents were well off, in the 80s, especially in 90s, the only way they could do that was just to bill a ton of hours to work really, really hard. There wasn't the ability to leverage like we can now. We have now. So with, we don't, I mean, imagine you back then imagining yourself selling a million copies of a product thing. You would have had to make it yourself, keep it in your garage, ship it yourself. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, go to the post office every day and do it. Whereas what we have now, we have all these opportunities to leverage our knowledge, our expertise all around the world, even things like a podcast. Imagine in your journalist days thinking, I could have my own, essentially my own radio station Yeah, on technology that we can all access for free. Hmm. Well, I mean, I did think I could have my own newspaper, but obviously the technology didn't exist. So, okay. All right. So I have to do your money boot camp, clearly. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Um, Okay, so we take all this and where does it lead us? Okay, so I, um, I teach a three-step process, right? So first step is find your origin stories. Find as many little threads as you can. Sometimes, though, I find that, I mean, I've been doing this work full-time for 10 years. There's st- things now I remember and go, oh, that's a new nuance because I'd forgotten. So find all your little stories about money. The second thing is find the... Um, What's there? Sorry, my, I've had a brain fart. It's find the sto- connect the dots. Sorry, connect the dots. I'm trying okay. to think. It's OCP. Connect the dots. Connect the dots to how money's showing up for you in your life. Sometimes though, we can't remember the situation, so people start with what's wrong with my money now. And I'll give you a really perfect example. If you grew up hearing, it's really impolite to talk about money, and that could have been said explicitly to you, or it could have just been like. Don't, don't talk about money. You know, it could have just been like, oh no, we don't talk about money in our, in our house. And it was just never spoken about. 
if you connect the dots to how this is showing up in your life right now, if you, if you think money at your core is impolite, you're going to struggle setting prices, telling people your prices, like putting pictures together, following up on invoices, sending the invoices in the first place, asking people for money. It is going to feel so impolite at your very, very core. Okay. So you've connected it to a memory. What do you do? So the P of OCP that I teach is a pattern interrupter. And pattern interrupters can be in the moment, things like an affirmation is great. They can be medium or long-term, which is more, you know, just that inner work that you have to do, all of the, just everything, forgiveness work, mirror work, you know, working on your manifesting stuff, you know, all of that stuff that does that long-term behavior pattern change. Tapping. You can do it in the moment. Tapping is the best. Yeah. Tapping is the best. And tapping can be a short-term one, but it really does rewire your brain for long-term. Yeah. So you just repeat that process again and again. Sometimes though, I find that people do it, do the middle bit first. They connect the dots because they go, hang on, why can't I do this? All right, well, let's dig into it a little bit. When people join my money bootcamp, I get them to do a list of all of their money memories and work, work that way. Sometimes though, we don't know what any of those things are. And so some people prefer to do the affirmations, do the tapping without even really figuring out what, what's wrong. So you can kind of come at it from any angle, but it's a constant lifelong process of excavation because yeah. as you go through your life, you know, some of my money blocks didn't come up until I had kids right. because I didn't realize, and I'll give you the perfect example. My daughter was about maybe two and a half. We went to the farmer's market and I gave her a 50 cent coin, which as you know, in Australia is ginormous. And I said, um, go buy an apple. Cause I thought, oh, this is so cute. I'm going to start, you know, teaching her to use money and ask for what she wants and things like that. And of course, the first thing she did when I gave her that 50 cent coin, she went to put it in her mouth. Ah. That's what kids do. Right. And I said, oh, don't do that. Money's dirty. And then I went, oh, (laughs) my God, that is the first interaction we have with money. And it's not like our parents are saying it in a nice, kind way. Usually they're saying it in a very panicked, scary way that jolts our nervous system. Mm -hmm. It just goes, oh, my God. Well, absolutely. I mean, it is. Everything's dirty. But it's one of those things. It's more that we're afraid to think that they're going to choke on it. Yeah. Or rather, also, rather I've heard it's dirtiness. dirty because it's been through so many people's hands and they don't necessarily wash their hands after they go to the bathroom kind of thing. This is true. But it's just one of those early situations that we mm. that most of us probably have that sets us up for a life of thinking money is dirty, money is unspiritual, money is it's greedy to want money, all of those things. And so I think all of us can just do general money mindset work of it's safe for me to talk about money. It's safe for me to like money. It's safe for me to earn more. And then more little threads will come up. You might realize, as you say, it's safe for me to earn more money than other people in my life. You might realize that you're holding yourself back because you think, oh, hang on, I can't earn more money than my dad or my partner or my older sibling. Mm -hmm. So what I love doing is every month in Money Bootcamp, we just come up with a random topic to talk about just to see what threads we can pull out of it. And um, recently I started pulling together just groups of people who had something in common. So it might be an industry that they have in common, or it could be like a country that they live in. 
So I did one for English people, British people. Okay. Just to say, like, let's just pull random stuff out and see what we come up with. So I, I was like, look, I've lived in England, but, you know, consider me someone who's a little impartial, you know, outsider. What are some of the British values that are just the traditional kind of values? And someone said, oh, we love queuing. We mm-hmm. love being in a queue. And so I went, okay, well, let's just play with this. How could this be showing up in your money right now? Let's connect the dots. If you had to wait your turn, if you had to wait in a queue, how is this showing up? So already you can start to think, okay, well, I'm going to wait till someone else tells me that I'm ready. I'm not going to put myself forward for things because that could be jumping a queue. I might unconsciously hold myself back from earning more than my mentor or friends who started their business before me because it's not my turn. I have to wait my turn in the natural order of things. Or you might realize, oh, I can't make more money. This is all unconscious. Can't make more money than my older brother because it's his turn first to be successful. And that's just one little nuance that you might get out of that, of going, wow, yeah, I really am just waiting for people to, to tell me that my numbers come up. Yeah. And so, okay. So, but what about then in, say, America where the culture is? go for it. You can do it. You know, you're just push yourself and you can achieve anything. That Does that always exactly. translate the same way for people or, or you just have so many people okay. jostling for number one? Well, that could be it too, of thinking there's only one spot because it's much mm. more competitive in America. Yeah. So they have what I call the Highlander myth. There can be only one and um, you have to kill everyone else. So that can feel really hard as well. But yeah. I spoke to someone today from Pittsburgh and I said to her, what's the flavor of your, your town? And she said, well, we used to be a steel town, you know, a working class steel town, which is kind of where, you know, where I live here in Newcastle, coal town, ex um, steel town. And so it's very much like we root for the underdog. Ah. We're not too fancy. And so what's really fascinating, we've all got our own like really unique snowflake signature around money, depending on where did we grow up? What era did we grow up in? What were we watching on TV and Mm. movies growing up? What did our family, all of those things, they all add together for flavor. Well, I was thinking that like when you were giving us the analogy of the fact that you didn't really know where you sat on the socioeconomic scale growing up because your mum had a really kind of positive attitude and you didn't really know that you were missing anything because everybody was in the same boat. Now, of course, the kids grow up with Instagram and they're looking at the rich kids of Instagram and they're seeing exactly what they don't have. So that's going to be interesting what kind of money mindset that produces in the future and if yep. it's going to be about, well, I can have whatever I want if I, I was about to say, if I work hard enough or, you know, if I, <laughs> okay, so let's bring this back. So the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to get Denise on the show today was because for one thing, we obviously big on manifesting in the moonology community and we set intentions every new moon and we release them out to the universe at full moon and and it's just very much a case of, you know, at least if you if you have some intentions for yourself for the month ahead, you're more likely to take action and so on. Um, Absolutely. So one thing I wanted to sort of to talk to you about is the how when you're talking about money, how much do you believe it is a bit woo-woo that if you can set the intention and believe that you can have it and you do make the efforts, 
you know, that is a kind of a woo-woo thing. But where are you on that scale of woo-woo? And then afterwards, for anyone who's running their own business, we're going to talk about marketing. Yes. Okay. So I'm a Virgo. Oh, good. We love Virgos. I am very practical when it comes to manifesting. So I learned about manifesting when I was 14, actually. I read a book called The Magic of Believing by Mm -hmm. Claude M. Bristol. Um, I haven't read it for years, so I can't even remember if it was any good. But it was one of those first times I went, wow, you can can change your thoughts. Yeah. And you can ask for what you want. But I would say in my 20s, when The Secret came out, I was just so confused about what to actually do. And I got really caught up in thinking that I had to be pure of thought. I was like, oh my God, I have to be positive all the time. I have to meditate every day. And it, I just couldn't figure out what that meant. So I went on a quest to try and make manifesting as practical as possible. Right. So my doubting Thomas side, my half side, is manifesting is just confirmation bias. That's my practical side. Okay. My woo-woo side says, well, actually, no, my middle side says, if it is confirmation bias, why not reverse engineer that and just go with the fact that it's confirmation bias because it all works in the end and it's placebo, whatever. Yeah. My woo-woo side says, you cannot deny that when you meet the universe halfway, unbelievable things happen because I've experienced it myself. I've experienced it so many times. I've talked about it in Lucky Bitch where I got a bank error in my favor just before my university tuition was due. I won an all expenses paid trip around the world when I'd set an intention to go traveling around the world. But here's the thing. I did meet the universe halfway because I told all of my friends that I had this intention to travel around the world. And then a friend of mine saw a travel competition and she told me about it. Would I have found yeah. out about it if she if I hadn't told her? So that's the And whole, you were absolutely um, convinced that you were going to win it as well. Oh my God. Mark came home from work and I said, I found this competition. It's to travel around the world, exactly like that post-it note on my wall, and we're gonna win it and we have to put in our video by midnight tonight. And he was like, What? What? <laughs> and I was just, I was utterly convinced. And that's not to say that me just being convinced was enough to win it. My conviction yes. helped me do the work to put me in the running for it. Which is exactly what I teach. The belief. Via the moon. It's the belief, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Any yeah exactly, and it changes you your actions because if you believe you're going to win it, yes. then you did all the, I can't even remember now, but all this, you did all this stuff like, I don't know, researching and researching people before you met them and thinking of things to do and blah, blah, blah. And your belief that you could do it made you do other things that then made you win it. And it is, it's definitely all wrapped up. I think I'm probably just, you know, 30, 25 degrees more woo-woo than you, but it's the same, it's definitely the same ladder we're on, the same step staircase to woo-woo, yeah. Evan. Okay, so let's then now get to something which I really wanted to ask you about, Denise. It's the question of I I um I've been thinking for ages to run a course about marketing to help all the people who I know. I've got so many readers and members of my Sun Moon and Stars membership area and so on who are 
healers or meditation teachers or running their own business or yoga studios or whatever. And part of me, because I, I love marketing. I mean, if you know anything about astrology, I've got Mercury sextile Uranus from my third to my sixth. And, you know, I just love marketing and I love the fact that you can get out there and help people and, you know, teach them amazing things and so on. And I wrote something about it on Facebook just along these lines saying I'd love to do a course about marketing in the spiritual space. And Denise wrote in the comments, yes, marketing is manifesting. And I was like, oh, my God. Tell me what that means. So now about a year later, I've got you on the podcast. What does that mean? <laughs> wow. I love that. I love that you remembered that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess this, again, this is my Virgo side, is manifest just means to make real, to make appear. And so marketing is just m- telling people about what you do so you can help them. And I think I haven't seen any single person in business just have clients just knock on their door. Mm. And I hear people say that, I'm just going to manifest the clients. And I go, yeah, but your newsletter is manifesting clients. Your text messages. Uh, and I'm so, I had this one to share with you. So I, um, two years ago, someone said, oh, go see this girl for Shiatsu. And I sent her a message and it, then pandemic happened, right? Nobody could do anything. So I've never seen her. She sent a text message. This is manifesting marketing. Hello, this is a quick message from the universe to remind you that it's time to book in and see Joya for a shiatsu. Click here. If she had said, call me for an appointment, I wouldn't have done it. But there's a link straight to her online calendar. Never, never, ever once had a session with her, but she sent me a message, quick message from the universe. And I went, yeah, it is. Okay. And Brilliant. even if she had sent a follow-up a couple of days later saying, hey, just another reminder from the universe to book your shiatsu, I wonder how many people went, oh, yeah, why not? Yeah. Because she made it easy. I had forgotten about her completely because this was two years ago. Yeah. I wouldn't have remembered her name. I wouldn't have remembered her website. I wouldn't have remembered anything. And so that's where you go, marketing is manifesting clients. All she had to do was just send out a message. All you have to do sometimes is like send out a social post, send out an email. And there's, I mean, there's nuances to that, but I share a a two-step process. So I've made $25 million from this two-step process. I've never had a fancy funnel. I've never had a fancy funnel. I've um, I've never done anything perfectly. It's share what you know and make offers. Everybody. Share what you know. Pause the video and write that down. Share what you know. It's so simple. Share what you know and and make make offers. And it's in the new book too. So you don't even need to think, you know, it's so complicated. You don't even need to remember it. But so many people are pretty good at the first bit. And I'm particularly thinking of people who write, you know, astrology readings, right? They're like, hey, Virgos, here's your thing for today. Super generous. They're sending stuff out. They're consistent. They're reliable. But there's never a call to action. Mm. And it can be so simple. If you want your own personalized report, click here. If you want your year ahead, click here. Because people will receive the free stuff. They're not being mean. No. It's just that you haven't made it easy for them to take the next step. And I've never, ever done any sales training. I always just say to people, if you want this thing, here's where you can get it. Yeah. If you and it could be if you want my help, click here. 
and then make it easy for people with, you know, do an online calendar, do an easy booking system, have PayPal or whatever, but just make it easy. And that they're the only two steps you need. You can share in whatever way you want. You can do podcasts, you can do newsletters, you can do social media. Don't get overwhelmed to start with one. But what I see people do is they they might send one newsletter and then a couple months go by. Yeah. I have a girlfriend who's been starting a business for like years now, like at least a year or two, and she keeps doing all these amazing lives. She's an ex-journalist like me, so she keeps getting people on to talk about her special subject, which happens to be menopause, and uh, she just does endless amounts of amazing, amazing lives with all these amazing people with all this great information. I even set her up a landing page. She will not send people to it. So, Denise. You've told us what you know, so now will you make us an offer? Maybe tell us about your new book or what have you got to offer us? Thank you. (laughs) Um, So I do have a new book, Chill and Prosper, out. It's um, it's out in July, but you can pre-order now, and I've created some very cool bonuses for it. So I'll give you the URL first and then tell you the cool bonus. If you go to denisedt.com slash prosper, easy, there's all the links to all the different places you can buy it. I'll put it in your receipt number. Super easy. And then the book comes out in July. Now, I've just recorded a whole album of subliminal affirmation audios, which I know you love this stuff too. I because do. for me, I could never remember to, I don't know, journal every day and things like that. So, but I could listen to stuff as I was working. And it still goes into your brain. It still counts. So I just recorded a whole bunch on things like marketing, on overcoming your income plateaus, on um, feeling good about making more money. And they're all the pre-order bonuses. Amazing. Okay. Well, they sound great. They sound great. Yeah. Okay. And where can people... And they're going to be on the Hay House app too. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So where can yeah. people find you? Uh, we did mention your site, denisedt.com. I presume you're on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Tell us where we'll find you there. Yes. So at DT is my Insta and Facebook and Twitter. And then uh, Denise Duffield Thomas is mine on YouTube and TikTok. Oh, I'm goodness. all over the place. Excellent. I'm everywhere. All right, so chill and prosper for people who want to chill out and prosper. And I want to do that too. So I'm definitely reading that book. I'm off to pre-order it now. Be getting my bonuses. Um, people do this to me all the time when they interview me. So I, I, and then sometimes I think, gosh, I'm glad I've had this done 15 times because otherwise I'd be on the spot. Can you leave us with one little nugget of Denise Duffield Thomas wisdom? to help anyone, whether they're sort of starting out trying to earn their first bit of cash or breaking through their, you know, $2 million plateau or whatever? Is there any? any? Yes. So, you know, I'm a Louise Hay baby, just as you are. We are all so indebted to her beautiful work. So So this is is a a mirror exercise. Okay. And it's really life-changing, okay? So you look in the mirror and the trick is you don't just do it when you're feeling and looking good. You do it, it's actually more powerful when you're looking like not so great. Okay. So like first thing in the morning or after working out or when you're covered in mud from the kids' soccer, whatever it is. Okay, you look in, in the mirror and you say, this is what a wealthy woman looks like. 
Ah. Or this is what a wealthy healer looks like. Mm. Or this is what a wealthy astrologer looks like. The more specific you can be, the better. Because I love that. This isn't just an affirmation of like fake it till you make it. You actually want to see what excuses come up because you'll realize that you have rules around are you allowed to be wealthy? So you might go, yeah, but if you lost 10 kilograms, Mm. yeah, but maybe 10 years ago, yeah, maybe in in five years when the kids are at school, you'll hear all of those little excuses come up. Oh, when Mercury's out of retrograde. Yeah. And you it it will change your brain because if you can start to realize that you can you can be wealthy exactly as you are, not because you win the lottery and you suddenly, you know, just become a completely different person, but you as you are today with your current everything, this is what a wealthy woman looks like. This is what a wealthy man, you can say if you're a man or a queer person or anything you can do to make it really, really personal. So I actually was good at this for years. I was like, yeah, I I overcame up. Yeah, cool. I can make millions of dollars. You know what really, really hit me about two years ago? I couldn't make money. I wasn't allowed to be a wealthy writer. Hmm. I had to start doing, I was like, yeah, I can be a wealthy woman. But then I was like, I, this is what a wealthy writer looks like. And I realized I had so many stories around being a writer and making money. So sometimes you have to find those little, you know, pinchy ones. And out and of if you curiosity do every day. anyone who's writing, was it because of the myth of the struggling artist or what was that Absolutely. around? Absolutely. And I realized too that people would say to me, oh, you're a writer. And I'd go, oh, I'm not really a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm... I have a course, but you know, my books, no, they're just, you know, they're just business cards for my books. And I could see their eyes glaze over because I'd be like, you know, my book is a part of my marketing funnel. And I really didn't think I was a writer. Hmm. I really didn't. And I was just like, no, I've just fooled Hay House into publishing some <laughs> books of mine. Like, but I'm not, I'm not actually a writer. Like, what? No. And um, do you feel you've so, broken yeah, through that? Sometimes. I'm still working on that one. But you know what? My royalties doubled the year after I, I started working on that block. So what you need <laughs> to do now is get yourself onto one of the bestseller lists and then you'll go, this oh, I really must be a writer because I'm on a bestseller list. That's true. That's true. Well, that and that's a cool thing you could say. This is what a wealthy best, you know, New York Times bestselling author looks like. And the thing is the first hundred times you say it, it might feel so uncomfortable. And actually what's really good is if you write it on your mirror or if you put it on your phone as like a little calendar pop-up mm. so you remember, I'm all, I'm all about automatic manifesting because I never remember to do stuff. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not consistent with, you know, journaling and things like that. So I'll make sure that that's in places that I can see it so I can go, oh, yeah, oh, okay, maybe. And then, like you said, then you might be a little bit more inclined to take action. Well, you know what? I will write an extra page on my book. Yeah. Well, I will send out that proposal Mm. and it's just that constant constant repetition um, of mindset work but yeah that's the mirror exercise that all anyone can do and send it to us as well say this is what a yes exactly post it on instagram you know hashtag ddt slash tag us both yeah exactly amazing denise thank you so much i hope that helps someone um 
we all need to get your book Chill and Prosper as soon as it comes out. We all need to do your money boot camp. Do you open it just a couple of times a year or is it constantly open? No, it's open all the time because I know that when people realize that they want to work on their money mindset, they don't want to wait for a whole year to join. Yeah. So what, once you're on my list, we do different things throughout the year to you know incentivize people to join as in, I don't know, there might be a particular topic that works for you one month that you want to join, but it's um, literally people can just jump in. Okay. And I will say I listen to Denise's podcast all the time and she is full of good ideas. And if it were not for Denise, I would be drowning, completely drowning. I, the, especially there's have a look her up on the podcast, look up her thing on batching. If you work in any kind of field like I do, batching is a lifesaver. So, and isn't it so much fun to do? Yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. Yes. And it's just so nice to get things done. So I'm learning to batch. Yes, exactly. Well, that makes me really happy. And if you need any help with your new marketing course, let me know because I would yes. love to help. I love yeah, no, marketing. That would be fun if we could get both of us involved. Yes, that'd be super cool. And you know what? It's just a tool so we can help more people and change the world. That's exactly. And I'll just say I, I something I've started saying in the last six months, and I don't want to keep going on and on, but this is interesting for everybody who's interested in manifesting more abundance I always say it's the woo-woo and the work. You have to have, for me, you have to have both. It's not just about wishing on a star and just waiting for the money to start coming down the chimney. You know, you do the woo-woo, so you have the belief, the self-worth and the belief, and then you do the work, which is, you know, yes. the graph. I always tell people it's effortless, it's not effort none. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, perfect. Wait, Yasmin, before you go, I yes. have to tell you this because I don't know if you remember when I won the travel competition, you, um, you, I think I posted on something and you said, oh, let me know what your date of birth is and I'll look up and see if you're like a particularly lucky person. And then you were kind of just like, yeah, I mean, you've got some, some cool stuff in there, but I suspect it's because you just did the work and had the belief for it. And I don't know if you remember that. That would have been literally 2009, 2010. No, I don't so like remember 12, that. Yeah, it was like 12 years ago. And so that just shows how consistent that message has been for you of going, you know, God, today is your lucky day. Who cares if what star sign you have? Yeah, you exactly. can choose to be lucky because meet the universe halfway. And that's that's exactly what you said when you, you looked it up and you were like, yeah, I mean, I think you just manifested it yourself. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Which means anybody can do it. Like literally anybody can do this stuff. You just have to, you have to get the mindset. All right, Miss Denise. Well, thank you. All the best for the book. Um, thank you, Yasmin. And uh, we'll all be uh, we'll all be reading it. So, thank you so much for coming on here today, everybody. This is Denise Duffield Thomas. I hope you've enjoyed this week's mainly Moonology podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe, give us a review, and we'll be eternally grateful. We publish the podcast every Monday, 4 p.m. UK time, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, and I'm afraid to say it's silly o'clock in Australia, but it will be there when you wake up on a Tuesday morning. Have a great week.